Kia ora koutou. It's been a while since you've heard from us. Yes, it's it's okay. We're back now. Um, actually, we recorded a few episodes. Yeah. Um, but they just never went live. I mean, there was some issues with the audio in the cloud and yeah. that kind of thing. But we um. Yeah. We got some big guests. So yeah, it's like, a real shame we couldn't release them. One of a one of the guests that we did manage to get um was Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. I was quite surprised because she she flew here specially for it, and even though the on her private jet, yeah, and even though the the, <laughs> the podcast was only about uh, what was it like ten minutes, yeah, um, she but it was pure real professional in the recording studio stuff. I was really impressed. What was the food option that she ended up picking? She said she liked stuff to remind her of home, so she picked airplane food. Yeah. 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 And it was really interesting seeing such a positive take on airplane food. Like, this is yeah. a woman who really loves flying. Yeah, inspirational. Yeah. But she also um, gave a shout out to the Starbucks building that she landed on. <laughs> the other guest that we ended up getting was, because I was very inspired because I've been striking a lot lately. Well, twice for uni stuff. We wanted to hear the other side of the story and um, with the person who caused a lot of strikes in the world jeff bezos what was the dinner he ended up picking i think he he likes yeah he likes chicken but he also likes peasants yeah like pheasants pheasants like poor people oh okay yeah, yeah so it's not really my favorite dish but yeah. um yeah he really he, sold me on, he, on human flesh yeah he likes to snack on like the toenails of underpaid workers yeah just for a little texture it's just been a, a, just so much drama getting the podcast out and the, like the major thing hurdle we hit mm. was we had this really major guest um, lined up and then um, and then she yeah. went and died on us. She did die. Yeah. We got consent from the queen, but then she died. So we had to get her in other ways. And in the world of COVID, um, where we're used to Zoom, so we got like a Ouija board. Well, I mean, we did summon a few demons mm-hmm. before we got the, the demon we were looking for. Yes. And yeah, really interesting. Yeah, audio's lost. It's all gone. Yeah. Okay, but we have a guest, a real guest. Welcome to Dinner and a Movie. This is the podcast where we talk to our guests about what they do through the lens of a dish and a film. This is episode four and we've got our second proper guest. Our guest today is Cassandra Tease. Um, She's a writer, a game developer, a podcaster, a performer... And for the purposes of today's episode, a theatre director. Um, I love that you said game developer, which sounds so much more code related. Uh, than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but you thank you, thank you. Uh, probably just like person who plays around with mm-hmm. various game programs and makes people, like forces people to play chess. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks uh, for having me on this podcast. I'm actually such, such a, a, loom, a, you know, a, a lustrious previous guest list. I know, yeah. I know, it's um, a shame it all disappeared yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Cassandra's a multi-talented wears a lot of hats did we did we miss any um, in our introduction look I mean if we're doing like different jobs there's <laughs> I feel like it's like how many different jobs are you doing yeah. I do really just yeah. be like a 
theatre practitioner, mm-hmm. um, which is a good way to be like, I don't know, I just, like, unfortunately for myself, I very much love the art of theatre, which is yeah. not a thing where you can do a single job in New Zealand. <laughs> so I've had to, uh, yeah, to do a lot of them um, mm. in order to, you know, be alive. Uh, yes. So I've, I've, I've picked up a lot of different things. Yeah. Like you said, like producing as well. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, I just do theatre. <laughs> I mean, Nabila and I both have... Um, theatre histories oh I would tell you were going to say about five jobs oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) as millennials we're always we're always hustling yeah you back in back in Singapore had a wee Mm. a wee theatre company (laughs) we don't talk about that yeah no I dabbled a bit as 20 something year olds used to (laughs) you you trod the boards is that what they say Uh, I believe so yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. the boards were trod (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and I also have a a a small um theatre background which I mostly don't have time for anymore but I guess before we launch into the the topics is there anything you'd like to say about your relationship with with the art of of theater oh generally I mean look I I love theater I really enjoy it as a form I mean I think it's the thing about it as an art form is that for people that have maybe not as much patience Mm. (laughs) like I do it's um it's a great piece of yeah a piece of art because you can just kind of make it happen almost immediately like it's yeah. like you need a, a room and a person to to, mm-hmm. to, to do theater at um, yeah. that's really like yeah all you need and so yeah I remember when I was about 11 or 12 my like big dream was that I wanted to be a film director like that was my dream mm-hmm. career and then yeah I think probably it's just because I didn't know theater director was a job when mm-hmm. I was a kid uh, and then yeah it became a thing where the more I learned about film the more I was like the m- I don't know anything about this yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and the amount that I'd have to learn about like cameras and angles and lighting and all of the the ways to do all these technical elements of it when I'm like oh actually what I want to do is tell stories with actors and yeah yeah, like help actors yeah with their storytelling and that's really more of a theater thing and so yeah it was kind of a great moment when I realized that theater director was a thing that you can do (laughs) in my teenagehood um yeah so it's I think that's one of the things I love about it is that it's possible to just do theatre wherever, um, yeah, with very limited resource, which is great. Before I was in theatre, I studied film at Vic, and um, I, I guess I had a, a similar trajectory where I was really into to film as a, well, I still am, but, um, and it had a younger me had, had ambitions of, of directing film, but I, I found practically in terms of resources, like, mm. like you can put together a, a one hour show relatively easily. Whereas yeah. with, with film, like it's an absolute miracle if you can wrangle enough people and resources to make a, a short film. Um, yeah. yeah. So I do definitely appreciate that kind of the extra artistic freedom in, in theater. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Um, I was in a, I did like a 48 hour audio drama contest a couple weeks, weekends ago. And then I also did 48 hour film festival early this year, um, just, you know, as, a, as, as you do. And it was so interesting, like audio drama being, uh, you know, a similarly less resource intensive, mm. less complicated thing than film, how much chiller it was. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'll write this. Actually, I'm busy tonight, so I can't really do that. You know, so yeah. in terms of the out- amount of hours actually spent having to make, like, I think I'm, you know, really proud of the audio drama that we made in that mm-hmm. um, versus how much time and resource it took to make like a short film for 48 mm-hmm. hours. It was like, oh my God, this is so much faster and easier and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. and so that's you know I'm amazed when any 
anybody can get anything out on film uh, because, mm-hmm. my God, like the amount of time and expense and yeah. <laughs> stuff that you need to make one of these movies, movie yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. cool. Yeah. In, mm. I don't know, my limited experience with theatre is, it, I've always found it really great, like doing it in Singapore, just because you can cl- cloak a lot of things that would otherwise get censored through mm. like plays and scripts and stuff that get like one-off shows that um, you don't get the people from the Media Development Authority sitting in on mm. they, <laughs> yeah. they go, go through your scripts and they don't catch as much as other people do or audience members do because they're just reading something. I guess that's because theatre's more ephemeral. If, if, if Ephemeral? Ephemeral. Do you want to Google how you pronounce it? Ephemeral, and that if it was like, Film, film. It's easier to sense a film because you can mm. rewind and fast yeah, forward. Whereas theatre, theatre, you can just quickly like, well, we're just gonna do film. All right, yeah. let's run away. No one ever knew about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's also great for you know, uh, on a purely artistic level. If you've had a done a really bad show in the mm. past, and I'm definitely been involved mm-hmm. in some shows where I'm like, it was not very good. Mm-hmm. You know, no one will ever know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. no recordings exist from this time. In Singapore, there's like these national education plays um, that like travel around schools, like little educational. Oh, yeah troops that like teach yeah, you about a few pro- of those here as well yeah like yeah. propaganda shit so our play was like parodying that um and we were it was like four characters who sort of like break character um because they had internal conflict um within their mm-hmm. um little troop they like one of them starts like thinking about r- race and racism and blah 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 in Singapore um, but in order to get this play done we had to submit a script but then we were like oh they're probably not gonna like let this happen because you can't talk about race and racism yeah, yeah, in Singapore yeah. <laughs> so uh, we changed the plot so that it's about like a, a band arguing about the bassist <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like an emo band arguing about whether the bassist is going rogue and it's like bass, race yeah. Basism. Basist yeah. <laughs> races. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's a whole thing. It doesn't. I'm not giving it as much <laughs> context. No, it's, it's, um. it is important to shine a light on these issues because, like, discrimination against bassists is it's, one of those Bassists are underrated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, the lead guitar gets all of the girls. That's yeah. 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 So that was the point of the, um, the fake script. <laughs> <laughs> We can go back and forth about uh, theatre and film, but yes. obviously the Funnel. superior art form, and the, the, I guess the truest form, you mentioned audio dramas, the, the most dramatic audio form yeah. of all is, is podcasting. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, the most dramatic of audio dramas, the, the, the live non-fiction drama of podcasts. Exactly, and also probably the most skilled of all the arts, I would say, It's yep. um, which is why there's so few podcasts and such a high barrier to entry. You have to have a really high IQ to, yeah. to podcast. <laughs> but the only art form that can, can rival podcasting, of course, is cooking and eating <laughs> food. Yeah. I didn't know where the you culinary were arts. The culinary yeah. arts. Yeah. 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 What food did you pick? I thought of a film. I was like, yes, I've, I've smashed it. I know what I'm doing for my film. And then I was like, I have no idea what yeah. to do for the food because, yeah, I'm like, as a person who has lots of different jobs in the theatre, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on directing. And then I'm like, I don't know, like directing food and then I was like actually I'm just gonna choose something which is probably the like food format that I associate most with my directing practice which is a potluck Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, since my first show that I ever directed, um, which was almost 10 years ago in 2013, um, we decided we were like, okay, we're going to do a, a table read, but instead of like just a boring table read where we all sit around in like a rehearsal room somewhere, um, my co-writer and I were flatting together, so we were like, let's invite everybody around to our flat and we'll just have a potluck and we'll do a, re- a reading of the play as the, at the potluck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that was really lovely. And I think it's a good way to sort of start off a rehearsal process is just having, you know, specific, generally it's mostly just the cast. I always invite the crew and then most of them <laughs> aren't able to come or don't turn up, but it's always nice where the crew can. But definitely all the cast coming together with the director and stage manager and other people just, um, yeah, having some food, sharing some food together, bringing something of their own. Um, and it's a really good icebreaker, I yeah. think, to, mm-hmm. to be like bringing food together. Um, and then doing that as part of your first read. So it's not just like we're reading the script. Mm. We're not really necessarily going to have anything to talk about as a cast because, you know, some people will know each other and other people won't. And then we're going to basically have most of our first conversations in character (laughs) in in a table read context. It's like you want a chance for everybody to kind of get to know each other socially a bit before we start. So, yeah, I've been generally, I think most of the time when I've directed something, I've tried to include either a potluck or like a shared lunch kind of situation if we're in the daytime. And it's always like, you know, there's a varying degrees of how well it's gone. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, I remember that very, very first one uh, was generally pretty good. Mm. But I remember one person uh, brought a bottle of red wine, which was very funny because we were all uh, 19 and 20, uh, except for this person who was a bit older. <laughs> and it was an immediate sign of like, ah, she's older than everyone else here because none of us drink red wine yet. Because we all have the, the palates of small children. <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, oh, thank you. And then another person in that cast brought an uncooked package of instant noodles, which is to me the funniest thing anyone's ever brought for a potluck. <laughs> and you know, we were like, thanks. <laughs> like, nothing is funny. Nothing is more acceptable, I think, yeah. than an uncooked package of instant noodles. Yeah. It gets harder because I now have a restrictive diet. Unfortunately, mm. I've got uh, celiac disease, which I got diagnosed with a couple of years ago, which means that, yeah, generally sharing food is harder in my life, which is a real shame because it's something that I, you know, it's it's definitely changed my life a lot um, mm. in that, yeah, a lot of my sort of activities with people just getting a chance to just go to whatever restaurant and, you know, eat whatever food from some stall somewhere is n- not as much of an option for me anymore because I've got so yeah. many restrictions around, like, yeah, having to be medically gluten-free yeah. without crossing cross-contamination and stuff like that. So it is harder to, to share food so much, but mm-hmm. I still like to do it. So we're doing, we start a rehearsal project for a new show tomorrow um and we're doing some shared lunch for that which is going to be nice and so i'm like i'll just book cook something which is vegan and gluten-free and at at least i know i can eat that and then Mm -hmm. the vegans will also be able to eat it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the other gluten-free people will be able to eat it yeah so i don't know it's not i think it's cheating a bit (laughs) but it is it's kind of the the format that i guess i most associate with directing is that uh yeah i start projects off like that most of the time and it's i generally yeah like to try to create an atmosphere where people are getting along <laughs> rather than just being like this yeah. is a business venture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know there's an element of social venture in mm-hmm. every theater piece as well so i think it's a good way to kind of balance that from the very start mm-hmm. yeah i think i don't think it's cheating i think there's something very natural about the creative arts and communal kind of food i don't know we had jordy last episode some unity books buffet yeah <laughs> yeah 
with um so obviously with your the the first pot like you mentioned i presume there was spectrum between uh, <laughs> noodles and, and wine they, you probably didn't give them much direction on no it Do was you... very much just like ah oh, everybody just come <laughs> around for dinner <laughs> this will be fine yeah <laughs> Because there's, I mean, obviously a lot of different ways to do potlucks. We're part of a, a group that occasionally meets um, and does like a... a cook, cook club? Yeah, yes. where everyone cooks from the same cookbook. Ooh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever provide any, any direction for these potlucks? Uh, I have sometimes. So earlier this year I did a production of Uncle Vanya and I was like, oh, you know, anything for potluck but like if you wanted to do something which was like Russian themed or like that sort of Eastern European. So yeah, I made like something with like beetroot and like blini, like little pancakes to dip in the the beetroot dip. But most of the cast, I will say, did not take me up on the theme (laughs) prompt. They were very like here is supermarket bridge. Because <laughs> that one was a, uh, is for a, a school project type yeah. situation. So, you know, I'm kind of like, when I'm expecting a group of 19-year-olds, like, yeah. the group of 19-year-olds potluck is probably not going to be as advanced yeah. <laughs> as, like, we're doing a show next year, which I'm not directing, but Red Scare is producing, which has got, you know, a whole a whole cast of older people, um, which yeah. are all, is always lovely and also people that generally are better at making food. <laughs> Do you see any relationship um between what your your guests um bring to the table literally in a potluck Mm. with what they can bring to the table during the theater process i mean i do think it's really interesting when you think back because like i mean a lot of the time you don't really remember what everybody brought Mm. for something but Mm -hmm. when i have got particular people that like oh i remember they brought this thing Mm -hmm. um it definitely sticks out particularly if that's the first sort of main memory i have of them Mm -hmm. as a person other than just them like as a character yeah. um it's yeah like did this the people that like go above and beyond to like mm. bake something like i made muffins from mm-hmm. home or like you know i brought in uh you know this thing that they and they're kind of not sure about it going like oh i don't know i made this like this layered dip situation mm-hmm. like i don't know it, it doesn't look so nice but it tastes really good <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like i don't know i, I kind of have a because i think that's what i do yeah. <laughs> but like i'm a person that will like bake a thing and then it doesn't look that great but i've committed to baking it so i have to bring it now <laughs> uh, i have a soft spot for that yeah. it's like i feel like i get a sense of that okay that's a person that's maybe gonna be like I don't know, I get maybe a sense of like how they're going to work in the room that mm-hmm. like that's going to be somebody that, yeah, I will be able to relate to on that level, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's also like, yeah, people that will be thoughtful enough to bring in something that's like vegan or vegetarian when mm-hmm. they're not vegan or vegetarian themselves is always mm-hmm. really nice because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's good that you thought about that for other people. It's a sort of sense of considerateness. Like, I don't know, I think that's a a general person thing, I think, that you can learn about people. Um, And yeah, and then the people that remember to bring something that other people might have forgotten. So somebody Mm. that brings drinks when everybody else has not bought drinks. It's Mm -hmm. always like, ah, that's both smart because it might be a bit easier to bring drinks. And also, (laughs) it was also good because there was a a hole that needed filling and you filled it by bringing things along and then you brought cups. Then that means that you... (laughs) It's like, you're smart, you brought cups because there were no cups at the venue. That's a nice Mm. twist on um, the person who always brings the drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a very positive way of looking at it. I think it's a thing where I think if everybody brought drinks, you'd be like, yeah. but if it's just one person that brings yeah. you it's like actually we need you you yeah, know yeah yeah and yeah. i think that's kind of how collaborative mm. art forms work right mm-hmm. like yeah. a theater is you know one of the most collaborative art forms that you've got and it's like yeah everybody bringing 
the same like pasta salad like it might be a delicious pasta salad but it's not going to be as good a meal because we've all got the same thing so having Mm -hmm. you know a more big variety of people Mm. I think it kind of yeah it's like that's for any sort of artistic output of that as well like having a bit of a variety of different people's styles of working and styles of thinking about things is going to be more interesting at the end so Yeah. yeah yeah I I always bring the spiciest thing. <laughs> I feel like I feel really nervous because like a lot of times when I bring stuff to the, to a potluck, I haven't necessarily tried it myself. Like I've made the thing oh, I absolutely do that. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'll try this new recipe for this. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah. Yeah. I think the last time we went to a potluck was it a week or two weeks ago? I made like um, curry puffs, and it was just I'm pretty good with spicy stuff but like the, this was like the spiciest curry puff that I've ever made <laughs> I was surprised that it was completely gone um, but yes yeah nice. I mean we try to like cater, like cater to people's tastes and, yeah. and cook within mm-hmm. dietary requirements and stuff I mean we're vegetarian and often we'll make vegan or mm. gluten free stuff but I think spicy food is probably the, the exception of catering to yeah. people's tastes and that's 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 praxis baby <laughs> <laughs> you talked about um the red wine when you were 19 <laughs> but what was like the most impressive dish that you saw most brought to dish. a c- potluck does it say anything about this person's personality (laughs) (laughs) this is not okay so this is actually a different show (laughs) which I wasn't directing but I was like this was another group that did the same thing Um, and my friend Michael shout out to my friend Michael made uh, mini quiches and the mini quiches were very good but there was just one other guy in the cast who like loved them (laughs) and I feel like for the next like I don't know (laughs) <laughs> every time that yeah. he saw Michael for the next day he'd be like I've got to get those recipes for those mini quiches mate <laughs> oh you got to pass it on it was like this yeah it was it was the thing that Michael became the mini quiche man yeah. <laughs> for like a, a couple of months um, yeah which I mean he's, he's a generally good baker yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't go without saying that uh, Lucas Neal of New Zealand uh, yes. uh, yep. great Kiwi Bake Off yeah. um, is also yeah been present at various Red Scare related oh, potluck things and he always will bring like any any cakes that Lucas has made will be excellent. <laughs> oh, awesome! If it was me, I'd always be trying to like, especially if I was joining a project that I didn't know a lot of people. I'd always be trying to impress people. But yeah, obviously, I guess the the risk is if it's too good, then people start calling you Quiche Boy. <laughs> I guess also the risk is quiche if boy. you're trying to impress people, but your own talents as a cook are not good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. it's like the worst thing you can do is bring in like, okay, this is this was gonna be lasagna, but it is just a burnt layer. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. yeah, there's nothing like a a, a really bad dish yes. to yes. <laughs> really make your presence known. So any 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 bad dishes <laughs> that stick out or uh... the one experience that I grew that this is this is I'm just thinking like oh man I've just had so many theatre potlucks in my life um, that I this is again me being like 2021 20, like really early on in Red Scare days um, so when I founded this company I co-founded it with my friend Bruno um, who uh, now lives overseas. Um, and then our other friends, Freya and Erin, kind of were part of the company at the beginning as well. And now all of them have gone off to their various other different lives overseas. Mm. Um, and it's a totally different team than me now. Um, but this was back when the four of us were having like a meeting. And Erin had like had a baby mm-hmm. really recently. So she was like a couple of months into being a new mum. The rest of us were like 
Freya's probably like mid 20s and Bruno and I were like 21 (laughs) Um, and we yeah were like let's do a potluck and didn't really think about like the difficulties of like cooking when you have like a month old or two month old yeah very dumb didn't understand these realities at the time Um, and so we came over and like all of us were bringing like really like not useful things like I remember (laughs) I got like it was like a weird custard pastry situation that I'd gotten like from somebody else that was a baker that came to my work and left right. there. And then like Bruno had brought like some sort of vegan salady situation that was very much for the side. And then like Frey had brought like drinks or something. <laughs> and it was just us turning up and like then the doorbell ringing after we'd got there. And then like Indian takeaway turning up <laughs> from Erin being like, I've had to cover for all of you <laughs> and your lack of skill. We were like, oh, that's really smart, actually. <laughs> I'm not fucking cooking with a, like, yeah. tiny, like, I'm way too tired to cater for all of you. I can't mm. believe we let her host us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, shout out to Erin. What a great person. <laughs> it's been putting up to us. Mm. Oh, my God. We all have productions that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> all those well. things where you're like, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of productions, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of a segue for the last five minutes. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> what movie did you end up picking? A movie that um, speaks about your work um, as a theater practitioner. So um, I was racking my brains trying to mm-hmm. think about a film that I wanted to do for this podcast, which I felt like captured some of my, I guess, emotional journeys yeah. of what it feels like emotionally to direct work for me and I feel like there's a lot of really great movies about theatre directors that I really love um, that absolutely don't represent my experience at all Mm -hmm. so like I freaking love Drive My Car saw Mm -hmm. that earlier this year you know like I just thought that was beautiful and amazing absolutely not my experience Mm -hmm. Um, you know like all that jazz absolute classic film about theatre direction again not anything like what my actual life is like and I was like ah but what is the actual sort of yeah experience that I have and I was thinking back to yeah um things which were adjacent to theatre directing mm-hmm. um and instead yeah thought about Sister Act 2 a movie which is very special to me since childhood um I grew up with Sister Act 2 not Sister Act 1 I uh, didn't watch that until a couple years ago I have a whole thing about like the differences between the two movies and why Sister Act 2 was unfairly maligned mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, it's which is about Whoopi Goldberg, uh, our nun character from Sister Act One, has returned to now have to teach at a school uh, and takes a choir and that of yeah I guess impoverished inner city kids or whatever <laughs> into the the big city finals. Um, and yeah, it is a very sort of silly film. It's a very like warm film. Um, but I think the thing that my, I most connect to is a particular scene that I feel like I have experienced the same emotion as in mm-hmm. my theatre directing, I guess, uh, is the scene closer, yeah, the first sort of, end of the first act of the film, I guess, um, which is uh, the choir's first performance of Oh Happy Day, um, which features, there's a, like, young soloist boy who's kind of been not really a major character. He's kind of like a, like, a, <laughs> I guess, like, pan-Africanist. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of his plot and that very, ni- like, a very particular 90s character <laughs> that you don't see so much anymore. Mm. Um, but he's, yeah, like, not really been featured up to this point, uh, and he's been given the solo for this song, and he, yeah, has to come forward and do the song. Whoopi Goldberg's trying to direct him to, to sing out, to sing out. 
Um, and I think he just finds it at certain point in it. And yeah, the, the, the singer just starts ripping this beautiful like boy soprano yeah. solo yeah. with this incredible high note. Um, and it's such a, I, I find it like really moving <laughs> like, yeah. as a person just watching that as an adult. And I think because I've got such a strong nostalgic connection to this film. Yeah, I just think it's like such a moment of like somebody not realizing that they had it in them mm-hmm. <laughs> and being able to do that. And I feel like my most sort of transcendent moments as a director specifically in theatre have always been times when, because, yeah, the thing I like, the reason I do theatre directing more than film directing or anything Mm -hmm. else like that is because I like working with actors Mm. and working with performers. And I think, yeah, it's when you see performers surprise themselves, like find something that they didn't know they had and just unlock it. Um, And it's just so, it's so astounding and it's so exciting. Um, And I think it's really, yeah, it's the thing that I, continue to direct theatre for it. Yeah. I, I mean, in some ways, theatre directing is not my favourite aspect of theatre. Like, I love being a playwright. Like, you know, I, I like performing. I like, you know, lots of elements of it. I, I, I really like... I like a lot of elements of directing, but there's a lot of pressure just being in that leadership role. It can get really stressful just mm. having to make all of those decisions um, and working with so many people and, like, mm. having to help guide things like set design and lighting design and yeah. stuff, which I don't really know about. Like, I can kind of go by vibes, but I'm, like, not a not a person who's an expert in that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that makes me keep wanting to do it is, yeah, is seeing actors' journeys over the course of rehearsal um, and finding that thing where you, you find a shared... Like, I think a lot of directing is about finding a shared language with your actor and finding, like the way for you to, because you, you as a director are kind of have an idea in your head what you want a moment to be like in a play yeah. or like a particular, um, yeah, a particular sort of emotion you want to hit or something else like that. And, and you, but you can't kind of just demonstrate it and be like, follow. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it, you've got to find another way for that actor to get there themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes where they get to is not even the same place that you thought yeah. they were going to get, but it's like the better place. It's yeah. the place they needed to go. Um, and yeah, and it's it's when you find that shared language, you find that moment of whatever it is that they needed mm-hmm. and you kind of set them off on their path <laughs> and then you see them get there by themselves. I think mm-hmm. that's like such a exciting, exciting moment. Uh, and that's, yeah, absolutely the thing that I love most about theatre directing. And so, yeah, this is like a, a particular thing, a particular yeah. moment. And then, I mean, I also love the the ending sequence of this yeah. of this movie where yeah. they, yeah, there's like the, the, they decide to completely improvise a new version of Joyful Joyful. <laughs> <laughs> All reality has gone out the window. Yeah. We're like doing a little Janet Jackson reference yeah. in there. Yeah. It's, um... Look, it's great. <laughs> it's also, you know, not realistic. Uh-huh. But it is also, I think, sometimes how it feels watching something that you have directed because uh-huh. it's the sense of you've been watching it and watching it and, like, putting it together. And then there is the sense of, like, all right, it's theirs now. <laughs> and yeah. you have to be in the audience and, like, it's just going. And, yeah, sometimes it soars to places that you totally haven't seen in the rehearsal room. Sometimes yeah. it's, like that thing where you're like oh it was better on dress rehearsal and mm. they've, they've started doing things but you, you don't have any control so yeah. it doesn't really matter like I am absolutely a nightmare to watch in the audience of anything I've directed because as like I've been told many times I will direct with my face and my body <laughs> I will be sitting there like and I don't mean to it's but I basically will go on the journey with each actors I'll yeah. be like straining all of the muscles 
I'm trying to that I that I guess that if I was them on stage, I would be doing. Yeah. Um, so I have to sit like three or four rows back because like if they see me, then they're just gonna be really distracted. Stressed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's that thing where I I think you you have to let them go. Um, and just sort of, you can watch it, but you gotta, yeah, you, you, no matter how much you, you know, clench your teeth or whatever at yeah. <laughs> things, they, they're not gonna see it from the, the stage, and it's not gonna affect it, you can't give them any more directions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of lovely. So yeah, I think there's a lot, even when you're not working with young people, which sometimes I'm working with young people, and there's, I guess, a more direct kind of analogy to <laughs> setting up as much, doing as much preparation, and then mm. them flying off and leaving the nest in the same way that, like, a, yeah, awesome. <laughs> a, a, an education That's so cool. thing works. Yeah, yeah, that was really insightful. Yeah, <laughs> Sister Act Two is basically about like this glow up. Yeah, <laughs> like what was the most like cast glow up that you've kind of witnessed? Most cast glow up. I don't know if that was phrased well, but most yeah. improved players. Most, most improved, improved players. players. <laughs> But Ooh. that makes it sound like they were like, well, like, bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were really bad or something. I <laughs> mean, I don't feel like. I mean, generally when it's like any sort of pro show that I've mm. done where we will be casting mm-hmm. like either from mostly from auditions for me which is a, just a thing that I enjoy like I love doing auditions I also think mm-hmm. that it's um, really the more equitable way to yeah. get more people in because there's mm-hmm. so much shoulder tapping in theatre mm-hmm. that can sometimes be great sometimes you know exactly who you've you know make want to make a show with and that's fine but other times you get the same people over yeah. and over and over and over and it's it's great to have auditions and let people in um so yeah sometimes with those sort of shows, you, you kind of have a sense already what they're going to bring when you're casting. So there's not so much of that sense of, like, improvement, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, I've also worked, yeah, with, with, with young people. Um, like, I help um, my partner with Redsky Youth Theatre, which is our, um, like, youth uh, section of our theatre company, basically, which is 16 to 20-year-olds. Um, and, yeah, that can be... I think it's there's there's more of a sense sometimes of like yeah. that 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 watching that blossoming happen because they start off the year like particularly when you're working with yeah like I mean I work with Tiawaha and at Vic- Victoria as well um, where you're working with people for a few months at a time or like you might work with them for a bit and then come back the next year teaching a different course and seeing how they go um, and so you do get to see them a little bit more at that development stage um, mm-hmm. and yeah I think it's it's really exciting when you see somebody find like the thing that they're good at, mm-hmm. like giving them a chance to be like, oh, maybe try this little, you know, like we're going to do a little clowning thing in this bit. Like, so, and then realizing yeah. that like, oh, the, the reason that they feel kind of stiff and awkward in this part is because they're not a text person. They're yeah. a clowning movement person. And right. that's going to unlock a whole different thing, you know? Um, and I feel like, yeah, I don't know if I have. I don't have know if I have specifics or if I want to give specifics. Yeah, enough, fair like, enough. <laughs> but there's definitely. I think that's really exciting when yeah. you're, particularly when you're working with younger people, um, because yeah. they're at that point where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna be so cool. I mean, yeah, like even um, with with some people that James and I have had, you know, like kind of had the opportunity to teach from quite young onwards and up, um, because James used to teach for the homeschool collective mm-hmm. um which is like yeah kind of basically a group of kids that are homeschooled that mm. want to do drama lessons mm-hmm. coming in and doing drama um, and then I'd substitute for them sometimes and there's some kids that we've met through that that mm. are now you know young adults off at university um and it's that's really astounding when you're like oh I met you when you were like 14 oh, cool. and just seeing like you go from this like tiny little voice or yeah. into like this yeah. really big you know confident clowny person I mean mm-hmm. that's that's really exciting as well awesome. um, yeah cool. Movie was a, a whole lot of fun. One um, quote that really, really stuck with me, and I'd be interested in exploring this, is 
Um, and I, I do think it's kind of the kind of the moment where, where Whoopi Goldberg's character kind of says the, the themes of the film. It's when she says, it's, it's not about whether you can sing. I know you can all sing. It's about whether you can sing together as a group. And mm. I've, I found that really interesting because obviously, as you've mentioned, it's not a realistic movie. And it's <laughs> unrealistic that a group of kids would all be this naturally talented at the same thing. And it's obviously, it's different to pot- potlucks where <laughs> not everyone can can cook. But it's probably quite similar to um, the way you've described um, your um, adult productions where you've, you've cast people based on knowing that they can do it. Yeah, there there is definitely a sense sometimes in, I think you see this with film a lot and you also see it with theatre where, you know, you, you might have like a whole lot of people giving good performances, mm-hmm. but they're like giving performances in different films. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that, that I try to build ensemble throughout when I'm, when I'm working in theatre because you want people to feel like, unless it's specifically what you're going for for something, where you really want this character to feel like a totally different style to everybody else, uh-huh. um, you kind of want everybody to feel like they're in the same show. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And, yeah. and working out when we're supporting each other and working as a, as a team for a scene and when we get to have that moment of, you know, showboating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, that's something that you have to keep in mind on. And I think that's sort of interesting more from, like, directing as a craft. Mm. A lot of it, I think, is about that cohesion and looking mm-hmm. at, like, yeah, like, you might have a, a group of five people who are all super funny and it's getting them to realise this scene is funniest when you four are just a little bit less, like, you know, you're not doing your riffs, you're not doing your ad-libs, and you're just letting this person, who it's their scene, do all those mm. funny things. Uh-huh. And then you get a turn at this point. And it's making yeah. sure everybody does get turns, so it's not just people being, feeling like, why am I here? This uh-huh. yeah. fucking sucks, I don't get to do anything. Mm-hmm. But also making sure that the actual content of the whole piece will, will say what it needs to say, which I think, yeah, actors without having that, having a director there. This is why, like, I always think, nine times out of ten it goes really badly in theatre when somebody directs themselves mm-hmm. in a uh-huh. show like you, you if you're not don't have an outside eye watching and seeing what's happening it's really easy for things to just get really unbalanced yeah. and to or like everyone's trying to compete for the spotlight mm-hmm. or this person's doing something in a very like you know this one's acting really panto mm-hmm. <laughs> real pantomime and this person's doing some sort of like gritty realist thing yeah. like, unless that's particularly what you're going for like that might be weird and it might not work and it's like which of those things is the more successful what we actually want to go for yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah directing I think is in some ways but yeah similar to, to choir directing and that yeah it's about even if you have five people with really beautiful voices if we're not blending our voices together it sounds real shit yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we can't all just What's those songs where it's like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston both just trying to like <laughs> yeah. riff at each other and you're like, this just sounds like a war. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man. And that's, yeah, that's cool because that is like the, the theme of the show where Whoopi Goldberg's background is like a, a Las Vegas, um, she's not a showgirl, she's a... She's a, a headliner. She's a headliner. <laughs> but her, her philosophy is like, she she loves like old Motown hits, she li- loves rap, she loves rock and she loves bringing these sounds together and I guess with the kids you've got the 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 white boy rapper um yes. yeah you've got another the... ni- very 90s character yes. white boy, boy. <laughs> also featured in yeah. last, last episode yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna... the theme of the podcast it yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> and yeah I mean Lauren Hill who's like one of my favorite mm. 90s musicians um Jennifer Love Hewitt all these yeah, yeah. kids bring different <laughs> different things to the the table and it's about the way that she kind of 
yeah, makes them cohere. That's yeah.、Mm-hmm. I do have a question about like,、um, did you ever have like a real like the most religious or spiritual experience that you had on stage? What was that?、Mm-hmm. I mean, or whatever closest experience closest to it. Hmm. I I feel like the most. Like、so、I don't know. I don't know if I can say like the most. I I want to talk about like a particular experience、mm-hmm. of like these two particular experiences I've had, and these are more like as a performer. But yeah, like, yeah. I do all the jobs.、Um, <laughs> I have、um, a, a show called That's All She Wrote, which I do as like a solo、yeah. cabaret kind of、Amazing、thing, which is、show. me.、Mm. Oh, thanks. We <laughs> do a lot of musical singing,、um, and there is a one song close to the end, which I, I think is just absolutely gorgeous,、um, <laughs> which. Has a there's a point where I'm like I'm going to cry at this point,、mm-hmm. and I'm like this is going to be the point where like I emotionally and I, I I feel like it's the the most like I know exactly what's coming、mm-hmm. for this moment. I know exactly like what I'm going to do with my voice. It's very much the muscles are practiced. It's that performance thing that you get when you've done something a lot of times. Yeah,、um, you know exactly what you're going to do. And I'm kind of always amazed that I always feel it every time. Like it's it's I, even though I know it's just the mechanics of、yeah. like this is what I'm gonna do with my voice and this is how I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna throw away this line. I'm not gonna sing it. I'm gonna just like speak it.、Um, and it's that strange outside in thing、mm. where like the mechanics of doing that will do that Pavlovian response of、mm-hmm. that. I like I I absolutely feel the emotions of that moment and、mm-hmm. I don't know which is feeding it. Whether it's the which one is feeding what. Um, but it always works somehow,、yeah. <laughs> and it's like I think as an actor, it's really and an actor who struggles sometimes with like finding emotional truth and things. Like I think as an actor, I I always feel that、um, musical theatre acting is like acting through song is so much easier for me weirdly than acting、mm. through speech. Like acting through speech, it just takes so much more like rehearsal and practice and motivation and all of the other different things that you need to do. Whereas musical theatre acting, there's something in like a song itself that you can just find, and you don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like an、mm-hmm. alchemical thing where these particular notes in this particular order with this word、mm. will just like get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.、Um, and I think that's really beautiful.、Um, and then I think just like where I've been absolutely super moved on stage. I was in this kids show a few years ago called Hekura Kōrero, which was、um, just a little trio show about basically just generally. Trying to encourage kids to try speaking Te Reo Māori, like you know, basically like give it a go, even if you don't know, you know, how to pronounce things properly, like trying your best.、Um, it was just a yeah, a little show for the kids in the school holidays, and yeah, it was not hugely well attended, but we got like a good sort of response from the people that did come.、Um, and yeah, we had one show where we finished it, and then like five people in the audience just stood up and started doing a haka,、mm. and I was like, I was like,、oh, just so moved. It was、mm-hmm. like so beautiful as a response, as like a. I think as a performer to feel like ah、oh, this has had this response of just immediate like、mm. um, yeah response in return and 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 in the same way of performance,、um, and I think ah、oh, God I just love like instead even when I'm in the audience and that、yeah. happens like、mm-hmm. and I'm like witnessing that coming thing I just will be like <laughs> because it's so it's so moving to see、um, to see res- emotional response in that like such a、um, Such a, I think, a way that you don't see from like a, the kind of Western response of like clapping、yeah. and, and hooting and hollering and、yeah. things. There's sort of a certain amount that you can't express. Like you can express praise and you can express laughter,、um, and you can express kind of that thing, but you can't express the same sort of like I connected with this, I saw you, thank you, like that gratitude that you、mm-hmm. can get from from that is、uh-huh. 
you I feel like the sort of standard responses to a show mm. there's not something within that, that that can give those things and so that's like ah oh, very in terms of like something that felt very spiritual as yeah. an actor is I'm like oh what I did was was worth it that's like amazing. that's so nice that's so, so lovely cool. <laughs> I think yeah. with yeah with like with like white people and applause like the only thing you can do is just clap longer and you get like yeah. the situation like in, at um at Khan whenever there's a movie like, it's like, <laughs> we can't leave until we, somebody stops yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry darling get to uh, to uh, applause non-stop and it's like, it uh, yeah. <laughs> this is why actually I'm kind of against the um, and, I, and I, I, one thing I like about New Zealand is that we don't do the standard you have to do a standing ovation for every show Yeah. and I think it's like because I lived in the States for a little bit and that's what they basically like every show is that you have to do a standing ovation oh, okay. it's just like the culture yeah. <laughs> and I'm like no, excuse me, I'll stand when I, I can no longer sit. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like it's, yeah, because like, it, it means so much more when it is like, that's another way of expressing, like, I love this so much, I had to get out of my seat. Like, yeah. That's like, yeah. Whereas if it's just like, this is what you do at the end of a show, I'm like, this is just rote. And yeah. like, God, I remember seeing some terrible Broadway shows, because, you know, like, Broadway could be awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> and people standing up and being like, really? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> you really, you're clapping this much for Tuck Everlasting. Yeah. <laughs> I get real shitty when, um, in the film festival in particular, people will often clap at the end of a movie and stuff, and I, I, I get real shitty when it's um, something that I really didn't like, and everyone else is clapping. Like, and you're like, no! <laughs> yeah. Excuse me! <laughs> I mean, I feel like the, the boo is, that's the thing about Khan, though, is that, that you can yeah. boo. And I'm like, uh-huh. yes, that is, I feel like that's good. <laughs> I don't that, know. That's how you know it's like a good movie when all the like a, American YouTube critics go over to, to France to boo a film you like that. So, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously New Zealanders, as opposed to Americans, are notorious for being very um, stoic, like comedy audiences, I think. Like we mm. don't laugh at things. As much, you've really got to kind of earn that emotional response. Yeah. I so rarely go to see stand-up comedy because mm-hmm. I just, I'm absolutely terrified that I'm going to go to see, like, a friend's show mm. and they're going to bomb mm. and it's going to, like, I'm going to want to sink into the ground. Like, yeah. I don't, because, like, I'm a very honest audience member, mm-hmm. like, the, notoriously so, unfortunately, to the point where, like, yeah, uh, people, like, will come up, like, not want to talk to me after the show. <laughs> I might say something, like, not me, but I'll just be honest <laughs> like yeah and it's the thing where if you see a you see your friend's theatre show it's really bad yeah mm-hmm. you can just be like oh you look like you're having fun oh I really love and now we know <laughs> like, I really love the costumes in that one scene or like oh I just talk about like yeah. one thing you notice or you know just leave <laughs> like, yeah. which yeah. sometimes you know I don't like I said this to somebody though and they're like oh my god that means that if you ever leave straight after without say, seeing me you hated it and I'm like no 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 sometimes I do have to go somewhere yeah. so, but it's also a good word if you don't want to have to talk to them yeah. after mm-hmm. but in a comedy show it's like there's nothing there's just them and it's they're not you know most of the time they're not doing a character it's just them doing jokes and i'm yeah. like if you were bad yeah it's like there's yeah. nothing so, like what there's can no, i say yeah oh and like they'll, they might ask me afterwards like yeah. <laughs> oh no i couldn't possibly it's just too much yeah <laughs> i think it is the most like for better or worse i find the most intimate art form and there's nothing between you and the the audience and if without that response the show is bad yeah yeah okay so sister act two is uh really awesome as the kind of 90s inspirational teacher story teacher going into a an inner city school and like working out how to 
come down to the kids' level and improve their lives. Dangerous. There's a lot of yeah. sitting on the back of the chair, turn the chair around. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> if you were, and I know you you work with kids, so you're going into a rough inner city school and the kids are immediately mistrustful of you and you have to win them over with a Broadway production. <laughs> Which play are you making these kids do? Which am I making them do? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, if I'm making kids do a show, I feel like the thing is, though, in my pro- I'm, I immediately go to a realist producer brain, and I'm like, what are the rights available? Uh, how much budget do we have? <laughs> how much licensing budget do we have? Because that's going to be... Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I feel like... I would try to do I would try to do some self-written self like, devising stuff like if it was people that were really not wanting to be there kind of mm. situation mm-hmm. I think the best way to have some buy-in is like it's your guys story you guys are in charge of this uh-huh. like instead of like Shakespeare is cool because, <laughs> uh, you know I also avoid doing Shakespeare wherever I can um, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I and I have oh, actually s- sorry um, this podcast is uh, brought to you by Creative New Zealand <laughs> thanks uh, for our like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pay our funding yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually did a uh, a job last year. Oh God, I think it was only last year. It feels ages ago. Um, where uh, I got brought in with my friend Michael from the Quiches earlier um, to help with this small Catholic school that he teaches at with their school show. Um, and these were yeah, like eleven and twelve year olds writing, mm-hmm. and then all of the other younger kids also being in it. So it's like five year olds through to twelve, so oh, quite cool. young. Um, and they had this idea of like we want the kids to write the show and you can kind of like fix it at the end. Um, but I think what they were thinking was we want the kids to think they wrote the show and then you to write the show. And I, what I took from that was, so me and James are going to come in, we're going to actually get the kids to write the show and then we're going to just fix it. And so that's all we did. And so it was honestly so fun because yeah. the kids like actually, like the first lesson where we kind of were like, okay, firstly, we'll spend half an hour teaching you Here's how to write a play, basically. This is what stage directions are. This is what, like, dialogue is. Got it. (laughs) That's all we need. Um, And then we just did a brainstorm of, like, they're like, we want it to be based on the the story of St. Brendan, who is the the saint that the school is named after. (laughs) St. Brendan's story is that he sailed around to different islands and did adventures. It's like the Odyssey, basically. It's just like the the, the Christian Odyssey. Um, And... So we were like, let's just do one where, yeah, there's lots of different islands that, that our heroes have to go to and yeah. they'll have different challenges along the way. And so we're just like, okay, kids, what could they find in the sea? And the kids were like, uh, the, the, could they could they meet SpongeBob? And we're like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like, yes. And like, okay, pirates? We're like, yes, pirates. And we're like, what about if it was a, an old people's home island and the old people tried to steal their boat? And we're like, yes. And, great. and we're like, the old people want to go to the Tokyo Olympics. And we're like, yes, they do. And it was like the, the kids just going from like kind of like suspicious mm. or like, I don't know about this, into like, this is the greatest we get to do. Yes. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh um, the only one that I was sad about was that some girls really wanted to do a Cardi B concert and we got given the feedback in all caps Cardi B is not appropriate for school oh, <laughs> like wow okay that's, I guess um, that's an interesting thing if you've got like 11, 12 year olds writing but you have to but have, you really, also young have kids. really young kids yeah. because we were like look we'll put that in there I thought that one might get cut yeah. so that one they, they swapped it out for a circus island and they did a song from The Greatest Showman uh. <laughs> it's like Okay. It was a really fun, it was, a, it was a, I mean, extremely chaotic on some, on yeah. some levels, especially later down the line when we got into 
um, actually putting the show on. <laughs> but the yeah writing process was so fun and so liberating, I think, for those kids because they just yeah like got to do all of the stuff and That's it was awesome. absolutely whatever they wanted. Um, and yeah, the ones that were just there's really interesting there were a couple of them that yeah like 11 or 12 were like oh yeah we've written lots of like we write movies all the time and they were like well we're gonna write more like you know awesome. it's some that just like that's what they do in their spare time that's and they were so like cool. i was born for this <laughs> and i'm like yes i want to see what you get up to in like 10 years <laughs> like, i hope you're still making movies yeah yeah nabila said that i'd come up with um all the catholic jokes oh yeah and i tried but um at the end of the day there's nothing funny about catholicism um, <laughs> And uh, the the movie we watched, yeah. um, I'd I'd say it was a a, a pro a pro Catholic film, um, or it's yeah. a, it's about like kind of trying to reform Catholicism from within, trying to make Catholicism make cool. cool to the the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 priests and the nuns are are very goofy and unthreatening. They're kind of comedy characters. The big villain is um, a layperson who works at the school. It really makes the the church look cool. <laughs> um, and I guess my main question is, as as someone who's who was a Catholic but isn't a Catholic anymore, um, why have you given us a such a, a pro-Catholic <laughs> propaganda? <laughs> I'm sure. I, I feel like for me as a child, nuns were in the same category as like pirates, yeah. where I wasn't sure that they were real or yeah. not. I was like, this is this a thing? Yeah. Um, like my, I was raised Christian, but I was not raised Catholic, so I did not come across nuns at any point. I do want. I want to pivot off this though to a point that I was going to make that I forgot to make. So one of the reasons that I think Sister Act Two is the superior of the the two Sister Act films that we currently have, Sister Act Two is a black film. Mm-hmm. Sister Act original is a white film. Mm. Um, Sister Act 2 has got a black director. You've got a much more like ethnically diverse cast. It's about sort of Whoopi, Gold- Whoopi Goldberg like, and her like, yeah, like bringing her African-American spiritual singing te- like tradition into this ch- these children's lives and relating to them on that level. And the nuns are kind of there as like side comedy characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sister Act 1 is this fish out of water t- story, entirely different. It's got a white director. Originally it was going to have Bette Midler in the Whoopi mm. Goldberg role. And so her ethnicity is kind of like by the by. It's not like a major aspect. It's like the same way that people say Beyonce became black when she released Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the thing. I'm like, this is a people of colour film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Sister Act 2. And I think that's why, for me, <laughs> I like it so much more. Yeah. But yeah. Sister Act 1, yeah, it's kind of like, it's wacky that she's this, like, black nun that's actually, you know, like, uh-huh. we're, and all the, all the nuns are these white ladies. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, here, it's like, that's not anything to do with anything. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, like, a totally different type of film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think the musical aspects of it are so much better in this film than mm-hmm. Sister Act 1, which has got some nice singing scenes, yeah. but it is kind of more traditional choiry type sound as a po- with like whoopies and bringing some gospel kind of energy uh-huh. to it. Whereas this one, it's like Lauren Hill. Like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very much like the actual musical tradition other yeah. than our like white boy rappers yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is generally like more rap and hip hop and gospel yeah. and like, yeah. yeah, these girl groups of the 50s and 60s or whatever yeah. um, that Whoopi mentions. It's like all of those influences, and so it's drawing on like African American music tradition, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, I think that makes it a better film mm-hmm. <laughs> than the first, and so that's also I think why it got panned by the critics, oh, <laughs> which that, is, is yeah, yeah. True. that's so legit. I I don't know if I've seen the first one. I didn't even know that I had seen this one before until the 
um, Mary had a little lamb scene. I'm like, oh yeah, this is <laughs> bringing this. back some children's <laughs> me- memories. Um, but it's really interesting because like that um, kind of like black gospel music tradition would be usually more associated with like Protestantism and it's kind of like mm. bringing that in and it's kind of creating a a more inclusive Catholicism. It's like yeah. it's like Vatican Three. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Vatican Three. Whoopi is here. Yeah. <laughs> we need to make we need to make the church more relevant to the the kids again. Not only the kids, but a more diverse group of kids. Yeah, I wish I knew more about Catholicism. So that I could <laughs> most of my knowledge is like, well, it's like Anglicanism, but more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always thought Anglicanism was like Catholicism, but less. But yeah, uh, well, that's yeah, basically yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Whenever I have to try to explain, because like, yeah, my I was sort of baptized Anglican as a child. I went to Anglican school and intermediate. Um, and yeah, I just it's the the Catholics of Protestants. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> how I've described it to everybody. Yeah. Yes, I was in church choir, so maybe mm. that also does give me. True. Particular experience for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for this particular show. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. go watch the threat too, guys. It's yeah. real good. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so fun and silly, yeah. yes. and it's. I think it's whooping at some of her best. And Lauren mm-hmm. Hill's in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw when I was um, looking at the cast and stuff on Wikipedia that apparently uh, Disney Plus is producing a Sister Act 3. Yes, it is coming back. Whoopi is going to be back. Uh, Bette Midler is also joining it. You mentioned one of the most rewarding things working with um, young kids is watching them grow and develop over time. Um, it would be really cool if they brought back Lauren Hill or some of the, the young like actors. I feel like Lauren Hill would absolutely not do yeah. Sister Act yeah. 3, unfortunately. And I'm gonna, I'm willing to bet they asked her and she yeah. was like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a recluse now, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, bring back Jamal. Bring back, yeah. bring back the white rat boy. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Jennifer Love What's, your, what's she doing? Yeah. Come on. She's still talking in ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, maybe if she comes back, she can talk to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right, that's um, been a thank wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you guys for inviting me. I'm, yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm honoured to be guest number two on this podcast. Yes. I mean, you know, not yeah. including all of the the myriad, uh, <laughs> yeah, celebrity guests yeah. that you had that didn't make it. Sure. We'll try and find that audio. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we before we let you go along your merry way, do you have um, anything coming up that you'd like to to promote? Uh, yeah, so I am directing a show. Yay! Uh, strangely enough. Um, yeah, so I am directing Homemade Takeaways by Ben Wilson, which is going to be on Bats Theatre from the 22nd of November to the 3rd of December. Uh, it's a really beautiful, um, yeah, new New Zealand play, which is about the sort of complicated relationship between two, like, adult siblings and their sort of similar age to them stepmother <laughs> um, coping with the, the death of their father her husband uh, and the uh, yeah arrival of her friend who was like a strange zen skateboarder uh, mm. who's obsessed with Emma Thompson who's living on the couch and the four of them trying to find yeah sort of family together as they look to Christmas time oh. <laughs> so it's oh, a awesome. December play yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to yeah. this it's, yeah. uh, it's really very funny and very uh, beautiful that's great yeah awesome and and obviously you're a you're a podcaster as well. Fellow yes, podcaster. you can always listen to me talk about my takes on things at Mixed Bag, uh, which is yeah available wherever you get this podcast. That'll be there too. <laughs> I was I was saying to Cassandra before we started recording that of of the three hosts of that show, all of which are, are good friends of mine, um, she's the one I tend to agree with the most because she <laughs> yeah. 
shares my shares my hater energy yeah. and she's usually the one voting to biff a film yeah i and, i'm yeah. sure like if, if we had more fans somebody would have made like a, a list of like each of our verdicts on mm. all of the films and i am certain that i would have the the far lowest bag rate <laughs> on bag or biff <laughs> but look i have high standards if no child's left then how can when we leave them